Welcome back to our podcast, Regulation Matters, a clear conversation. Once again, I'm your host, Lyne Dempsey. I am currently the Chief Compliance Officer with Rickamani Associate Family Dentistry here in North Carolina. I'm on the CLEAR Board of Directors as well as the current chair of the National Certified Investigator Training Committee with CLEAR. First, I want to welcome back our frequent listeners. Uh, we're glad to have you back. And for our new listeners, uh, just a way of explanation, the Council on Licensure Enforcement and Regulation, or CLEAR, is an association of individuals, agencies, and organizations that comprise the international community of professional and occupational regulation. Our podcast is a chance for you to hear the latest and greatest in our community. And today, I'm joined with uh, by a couple of people from, from Washington State, uh, Jimmy Bush, who is the Director of Quality and Engagement, and Sarah Kenbert, who is the Performance Manager, um, both with the Washington State Medical Commission. So uh, first, let me welcome you and say that we're glad to have you with us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, and again, uh, thank you for, for being a part of this. Uh, today, we're going to talk about recidivism um, in this, I guess, is a study the Washington Medical Commission recently conducted. So uh, let me start with, with Jimmy, if you would. Um, tell us a little bit about this report and maybe why um, you decided to look at recidivism in, in Washington. Yeah, absolutely. There was a general interest by our Medical Commission members, uh, basically our board members, to evaluate if the Medical Commission was effective in our mission to protect patient safety. And one of, one of these aspects in protecting patient safety to see if the physicians and physician assistants that we regulate, uh, those folks who needed corrective action, if, the, if their practices have changed or if their behaviors have been modified in some, in some way, or if there is a general ongoing need to continue to intervene. So to do that, we really needed to understand where we were in terms of recidivism and, um, you know, practitioners just needing a little extra help. So we decided to create a baseline report with our licensees that have received discipline over the past 10 years and look for behavior patterns amongst those licensees that have undergone more than one instance of discipline during that time frame. So someone in the past 10 years who's been disciplined and then had another occurrence of discipline within that 10 years we're referring to those folks as our recidivists. So I guess turning to Sarah, I guess, can you, um, you know, obviously I did quite a bit of research back in, in grad school, but I, I've always been interested in methodology. So I guess, you know, obviously looking at, um, you know, these people that have been in trouble with the, the regulatory board, uh, I guess, what was really the methodology behind this research? So we created a baseline report of licensees who have had two or more actions issued by the commission between 2008 and 2018. There were 55 recidivists during this time frame, um, five were physician assistants, and 50 were physicians. The data gathered was classified into um, four time periods, the first being the time from initial licensure to the first filed uh, complaint. <clears throat> and then the time from first complaint to discipline action, then the five-year period immediately following the discipline action, and then the five-year period after that, or 10 years from discipline. I also gathered um, demographic data on our recidivists, including practice type, specialty, location, and the nature of the complaint. 
I was able to gather this information by accessing our complaint database and licensing information. I also pulled the case file for those licensees that had multiple actions taken, and then I analyzed their file for commonality and complaint nature and other patterns in their behavior and practice. So when you guys did this, did did you also look at, like in, in North Carolina, you know, from my experience working at the dental board, we did have, um, uh, you know, letters of caution, which didn't rise to the level of public discipline, but it was somebody that was cautioned. Did you guys look at that as well, or was it strictly just someone that had actually been, had received some type of formal discipline? We don't have that functionality in Washington. Um, in some jurisdictions, they're also called letters of concern, which we're actually trying to implement now because a lot of, you know, kind of like you're saying, a lot, uh, a lot of issues, especially with recidivism, we might not rise to the level of actual formal complaint, but in Washington, we don't have another avenue um, to notify a practitioner. So, um, unfortunately, all of these are formal discipline actions that have been taken. Gotcha. Okay. And that makes sense um, from, from that perspective. I know, you know, for us, seeing someone that, you know, maybe it didn't rise to the level of full discipline, but it was something that they, you know, failed to document correctly in their records. And then, you know, we would certainly see people again down the road that, you know, had the same, you know, issue that maybe didn't, again, rise to the level, but you're also then looking at, hey, why did this person, you know, do this a second time? So I guess looking at this, Jimmy, um, from your report, um, Sarah mentioned that you guys had specific timelines um, that you guys were looking at. I guess, why were those timeframes chosen as they were? Um, so we chose those timeframes mainly because there's a wealth of research that indicates that the first few years after a physician has received discipline, they're more likely to reoffend. So uh, we chose these timeframes that go along with research to see if Washington physicians were following this, this national trend. So just in terms of buckets or time periods, we decided to look at the immediate five years after discipline, which we're referring to as period A, and then the five years after that, which we were calling period B, to understand how much intervention our licensees are needed as time goes on. The other um, aspect, not only does it align with the research that's already been done, but this time period really looks at, at what, we're, what we're calling a significant amount of time. But after 10 years, you have to start considering that behavior patterns may not be as large of a factor in recidivism, say, as such age or the time from their initial licensure. After 10 years, you should probably start considering if there's a, a, a deterioration of skills um, that need to be factored in, as opposed to just kind of a behavior that needs to be corrected. Um, so that was really, that, that was why we chose that time frame, just because it gave us enough time to kind of look at um, behavior patterns, but not so much that age issues might start to need to be factored in. Okay, well, good. Well, um, let's get to the interesting stuff. So, so what happens as a result? I guess, Sarah, let me start with you on that. Um, so, what was most interesting about your results? Yes, yeah, so we found a lot of interesting things um, from our results. Uh, we found that our recidivists were licensed for an average of 
eight years before their first complaint was filed against them. And most of our recidivists had between two and five complaints filed against them before receiving discipline action. Um, in the initial five years following that discipline action, uh, 48 of the licensees had a subsequent complaint filed against them, and 84% of those complaints resulted in additional action. And this is on point with what Jimmy was um, explaining earlier with the research indicating that the initial five years following discipline is a rather susceptible period for reoffending. Um, of the of the 55 recidivists, 64% uh, no longer hold an active license to practice in Washington. Um, five licenses were revoked and 11 were suspended as a result of discipline. Um, nine also voluntarily surrendered their licenses. And the remaining recidivists who no longer practice just allowed their licenses to expire and never renewed. Um, in 69% of the recidivists studied, the violation was rooted in issues that stemmed from communication deficiencies on the part of the provider. Um, examples of the violations that were considered communication deficiencies were like um, not complying to the order and discipline, um, failing to accurately keep records, failing to communicate adequately to a patient, whether it be written or verbal, uh, false advertising, and or um, failing to supervise properly. 44% of our recidivists were board certified in their specialty. And lastly, the top five specialties of recidivists were family medicine, um, internal medicine, uh, emergency medicine, OBGYN, and psychiatry. What's left? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, I guess staying with you, Sarah, there are, are, are there people who are more vulnerable than others when it comes to recidivism? Um, absolutely. We found that the solo practitioner was the most vulnerable. 48% um, of uh, recidivists uh, were identified as solo practitioners. Um, in regards to specialty, um, family medicine was the top specialty at 65% for recidivists, which is not really surprising since per our census reports, family medicine is the top specialty in Washington State. Um, they encompass 14% of our licensees. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's probably similar in other states. Um, and lastly, another population that could be more vulnerable would be uh, foreign graduates. 33% of our recidivists had graduated from medical schools that were outside of the United States. Well, that's interesting. Um, so I guess, uh, Jimmy, what what does the Washington Medical Commission plan to do with this information? We really want to look at and revamp our compliance program in general. We want to make sure that our compliance program, the, the folks that are overseeing um, our, our disciplined licensees, that they're working closer with the licensee uh, even from the get-go. So we don't want to set the licensee up for failure. And by working closer with them on their disciplinary sanctions, we can address ahead of time any possibility uh, for a failure to comply. So an example of this would be ordering an evaluation of the licensee or some kind of um, education that the licensee can either not afford or not attend. So we don't want to send them to an evaluation program that they can't um, pay the tuition for because then they would, you know, they would be in default of their order. And that's just something we can help in the beginning um, to mitigate. And so um, 
we can we can help them either identify funding or maybe we can just choose a different program. We can work with our board members to find something that uh, meets the board member goals and the needs of the licensee. So we we also want them to understand them being the licensee that not complying with the order can result in additional disciplinary action. And any concerns the licensee may have around that, that we address ahead of time. So those are really just kind of fundamental aspects of our compliance system that we want to look at and communicate better with our licensees. So the next part of this is we've determined that communication and boundary issues are common complaints and there are common areas uh, where uh, where recidivism happens. But these skills are rarely addressed as part of formal medical education. So there's an opportunity for the medical commission to educate clinicians on the importance of communication with your patient in order to avoid having a complaint filed in the first place. And we live in a world where continuing to work in a world where where boundary violations can stem from the use of digital platforms such as social media and online reviews, you know, like Yelp and those kind of um, services. So a lot of our physicians here in Washington were not taught in medical school how to use these platforms in a professional manner. So we want to educate them on these issues before a problem arises. And we're using this recidivism data to identify those areas of concern and be proactive in our outreach and education. Um, you know, you never know what you don't know. And so making sure that they're educated on the professional use of social media and online reviews, making sure they have that education to prevent a problem in the first place is really what we're going to focus on. And so then, um, like Sarah was kind of talking about with the vulnerable populations, we know so much more about them in terms of recidivism now. And we're using that data and our demographics to reach out to these vulnerable populations and address their unique needs. Maybe there's something else happening with uh, recidivists that are vulnerable populations that we're not fully getting. So we're going to start interviewing those people and getting and going a little bit deeper into their special needs and making sure we're addressing those. And so, um, like Sarah said, uh, about eight years after initial licensure is when these discipline issues start to arise. So we want to begin to reach out to licensees after five years of initial licensure to create kind of a check-in system. Uh, we're currently creating an educational resource webpage that has refresher courses um, with the most up-to-date information on proper social media use, communication, bedside manner, or And as this program evolves, we'll just add the other common discipline issues that we find. But we want to be able to have a place and a resource for um, physicians to go to basically just refresh some skills, um, see what else is on the horizon, and have that opportunity to, to contact someone at the medical commission if they feel that they're struggling. So those are our immediate goals uh, with this baseline report, but I'm sure they'll continue to evolve as we continue to collect the data. That's excellent. And I guess speaking of that, is is CE something that you guys could potentially even offer to those practitioners at that five, six, seven year mark when they're coming back to to get some educational credit for it, which might entice them to do it, or is that something you guys have looked at yet? 
No, we're actually going to, it's, it's we are going to provide CME. Um, we want to make sure that they're, you know, we don't want to waste anyone's time. So um, all of our online webinar resources will be able uh, to provide CME for those so that not only are they getting refresher courses, but they're also going to get some, some credit for it as well. That's excellent. And looking back to the study itself, and, and again, uh, you know, North Carolina, obviously, we're a different state, things are done differently. But do the people that are in some type of discipline or have some type of, of order, um, you know, something to follow through, do they have like a probation visits or anything like that that, that happens from time to time with their, with, uh, from, the, from the board? Yeah, so depending on uh, the sanction that the board has put out, there can be multiple things. But uh, one of them is we have what's called a practice review. So someone will go into their um, setting, whether it's a hospital or their office, whatever it might be, and kind of have a review on the issue. So let's just, let's assume they were disciplined for um, charting um, irregularities. And so we would just go in and look at their electronic health record, make sure they're not copying and pasting, that they're kind of documenting the patient care um, in, in a way that we're asking them to. The other kind of probation um, check-in that we have is every year they come before the board um, and just kind of give a give an update on how they're doing. So we have two panels on our board, and so you'll the licensee will go before one of the panels, and it's just supposed to be a conversation. There's no, you know, we don't want them to feel stressed, but it's just kind of a, you know, do you feel better about your work situation? The, the board really just wants to make sure they're kind of doing okay as a person and that the, dis the the sanctions that we've imposed are helping them. And if they're not, you know, just kind of like, is there a different way we can help you? So those are the two main um, options for kind of a check-in with the licensee and the board. Well, that's excellent. Well, great. Well, this has been a great talk. I really, uh, really appreciate you guys uh, joining me, both Jimmy and Sarah. Um, so certainly thank you for your time and, and being part of this Clear, Clear podcast. I think, you know, it's always one of those wonderful opportunities to be able to sit down and talk about these issues and learn what's happening um, in the field of occupational professional licensing. And, and it's always different because we all have different, you know, uh, organizations or boards or regulatory bodies that we work with. So that's great. So thank you for speaking with me today. Thanks for having us. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you to our listeners. Um, we'll be back with another episode of Regulation Matters, a clear conversation very soon. Um, so again, I want to thank our frequent listeners. If you're new to the Clear Podcast, please take a, an opportunity in a few minutes just to subscribe. We are available on Podbean, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, and Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please leave a ratings or comment in the app. Uh, your reviews help us improve our ranking and make it easier for new listeners to find us. And feel free to visit our website at www.clearhq.org for additional resources and a calendar of upcoming training programs and events. Finally, I want to thank CLEAR staff, specifically Stephanie Thompson. She is our content coordinator and editor for this program. Um, again, I'm Lyle Dempsey, and I hope to be speaking to you once again very soon.